people, 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 welcome back to the Arsenio Buck Show, and welcome back to another pre-recorded podcast. As always, it's Arsenio, so glad to be had, so glad to be heard. Thank you for so many people scattered all across the world listening to me, as always, love giving grace and whatnot, but man, today we gotta get back into Napoleon Hill's tolerance, baby. Oh, tolerance. Tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. I'm gonna give you guys a couple of situations, man. And I'm going to tell you how things can and can't work in the business world, in the entrepreneurship world, if you're trying to build partnerships or if you're just trying to communicate with one another. Um, Let's see how this works. Okay, so let's just say about a couple weeks ago, within the last three weeks, I applied for a job. And this job, I like it because on a specific application on a social media app, they would send me job updates updates and whatnot they'd be like hey we got a company here we got this we got that so based on you know me having my still having my full-time work permit and me doing my thing right now um i'm still unable to commit full-time to something like this but in the meantime i love it because i could do my own little side projects you know what i mean so of course they sent me the first job and i'm like you know what that one fits it's actually not too far for me let me try it So I said, hey, I would like to apply for that job. They're like, okay, we'll send everything to the student. That's it. No response. And I said, okay, well, that's interesting. So then I started saying, oh, well, maybe because I'm black and this and that. You know what I mean? You know that historical side. It always speaks to us. You know what I'm saying? (sighs) Anyways, going on to the next one, right? So then I actually met this person and, you know, speaking to her and seeing how young she was and how she's developing something that's emerging considerably and how she actually has that million dollar idea because now Chinese markets are starting to flourish and they're starting to contact her on in terms of creating online courses and whatnot. And it's just very, very compelling, very intriguing, very enthralling, very all those synonyms combined. And so I'm sitting across from her. We're having a wonderful outing. We're talking about so many different things. It's kind of like two brilliant minds meshing together. And then, we, of course, we were talking about a company that she wanted me to teach at. And it was a specific company, and it's on this specific day, you know, during the weekends and whatnot. I'm like, okay, well, that's uh, that sounds really, really interesting. And then on top of that, I actually applied for the wrong uh, a wrong company because she wanted me. She thought I w- she was under the impression that I was going to take a job way, way out there in the boondocks. And so I told her, I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry about that. I had no idea it was out there. She's like, well, you applied for it. And I'm like, huh? And it's weird because she was the one that actually messaged me directly. I didn't even know. I thought these were two separate places. But apparently, it's actually her. But she has two staff working on the recruitment job things that send me jobs basically every day. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm really confused. So after that fell through, she mentioned again the job on a Saturday. And she mentioned another job. And I applied for all. And you know what? There have been no follow-ups whatsoever in terms of those jobs. It's like, okay, so what's happening? And so she messaged me Wednesday, all yesterday, and I just realized this very, very early morning, I woke up and said, wait, I haven't heard from her. And so I even looked at the message and it hadn't even been read. And I'm like, okay, so could you imagine trying to get paid from this particular individual? Be difficult, huh? Can't even communicate. The lack of communication, the lack of trust has gone out the window. And it's really, really funny because right now on this specific day, Friday, 1020 a.m., I just received a message from her. So I actually wrote in the blog that, you know what, I'm just cutting it off because, well, honestly, I just don't understand what's going on. How come I apply for places and I get no responses in return? 
And so she responded, and I'm like, okay, whatever. But at the same time, at the same token that, you know, I got myself an interview today. I got myself another part-time freelance job, and I'm looking towards just buying my own freelance work permit here. You know what I mean? So, which is awesome. It has no, it has no relativity to her, but you just don't want to work with those types of people. Another example, I mean, because you need to be on top of things. Okay, the response time. You know what I mean? If you're running a company, you got to be good. You can't just go cold silent for two days. So another one was an emerging Chinese company. It's called Dada ABC. I don't really care. You know, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, And I applied for them and it took them a week to respond. And they said, hey, we would like to invite you for a Skype interview. And I said, okay, that, that sounds good. And so I emailed them three days ago on the same day I met this woman. And they said, add me on Skype. So I add him on Skype. I sent him a message. I said, hey, this is Arsenio, blah, 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 blah. Hadn't been read. No email response. And this is an online Chinese teaching company. So, again, when payment comes, do you think I'll get paid on time? Think about it. Think about it. Because the thing is, it's all about tolerance, right? This is all in relations to tolerance. How can I tolerate not being paid for more than a week, two weeks, three weeks? I don't even know who these people are. You know, because I just email, I just emailed you and I messaged you on Skype and it's been, this is day three and you haven't responded on Skype? Oh no, that's not good. That's not good at all. So now that one, barrier breached. I am no longer going to even email them and I'm just going to take them off, remove them off Skype because if he can't even send me a simple reply back in 72 hours, how the hell am I going to get payment from him? Guys, it's all about breaking things down, okay? I don't give a damn if you're a 15-year-old in college, uh, in high school right now or you're in college or you've been in business for 20 years. You know how this works. And that intuition tells you, you know what? For, on the long term, this stuff isn't going to work. It isn't. So I just wanted to give you guys those couple of stories in terms of tolerance and whatnot because I thought that would relate to you guys what uh, somewhat. So anyways, here we go, man. I wrote a hell of a lot on this blog. And I wrote some things, of course, from what Napoleon Hill talked about. So ah, he wrote it in his tolerance chapter. He talked about abolishing war. And I said, huh, this is really, really interesting because just a couple weeks ago, I actually had a very compelling conversation with the ex-deputy prime minister of Thailand at a wonderful event in Wahin. And he was telling me, he was like, you know what? Because, of course, you know, prime ministers, boy, they they know a lot. But you know what? I'm not going to believe and you can't just believe the opinions of other people. But it was very compelling. He was talking about, you know, the JFK, the Vietnam War and this and that and all that stuff. And I'm like, huh. And I said, you know what? I don't know how to abolish war because if you look at it, our conception of religion, politics, economics, philosophy, and all that other stuff, even including war, it's all dominated by two dominating forces such as social heredity and physical heredity, okay? Also, the three great organized forces through which social heredity operates on are schools, churches, and public press. Now, I want you to think about it. Now, I'm very, very grateful for those uh, who are actually listening to my podcast, especially on SoundCloud. It's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful, what is it? It's been a wonderful, uh, I don't know. It's been a wonderful slate of days. And there was a really small, small town in Maine. Shout out to that small town in Maine. Uh, I think one person listened to um, 
completing the pass and finishing the pass or something like that. And then I think that particular individual shared it to their friends because I got like five plays within this small town. Very, very cool. Because I'm like, oh my God, people are listening to me in Maine. Like, you know, Northeast America. Boy, that's like 500,000 miles away. Anyways, but if you think about it from this perspective, in that small town, how many African Americans think you live there? Uh, think live there? Mexican Americans. Think about it. Through all these small towns, North Dakota, South Dakota, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, Montana, Idaho, all of these states scattered across the Midwest America or even in the Northeast, raised, shoved up in there in the Vermonts and the Mains. How many African-Americans think you live in these towns? How many, how many do you think live in these towns? Not even that. Just Mexican-Americans. Anyone of, of course, outside of the predominant race, Anglo-Saxon. Or not race, I'm sorry, the dominant ethnicity, Anglo-Saxon. Now, I want you to think about it this way. In schools, if you have 26 students in your class and all of them are Anglo, what do you think the perception of other, I guess you could say in American terms, races will be? Because the thing is, if they don't have any African-American friends in their class, what do you think their dominant thought about African-Americans will be? It's going to be based on the public press, the media, right? So if you think about it, where racism is very, very high, especially in Minnesota and Wisconsin and whatnot, the majority of everyone is Anglo. Now, where racism, where racism is very, very low, if you look at it that way, Los Angeles, New York, Miami, lots of Venezuelans, lots of Cubans, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans living in Miami. In Los Angeles is the very, very diverse, but I think they are still segregating each other like it's the goddamn 15th century in terms of, okay, African-Americans here, such as what New York is doing. Oh, Jamaican neighborhood over here, Puerto Rican neighborhood over here, Dominican neighborhood over here, Italian neighborhood over here. It's foolish. I think it's ignorant. Uh, and I think the only way you're going to be able to tolerate – sorry, I had to emphasize that – each other is by mixing everything together. Duh. I mean, everyone else who's listening to this would attest to that, too. Am I right? So in these schools, if you're all I'm telling you, when I grew up, I grew into a school named C.P. Squires in an elementary school. I remember I had myself, my Anglo friends, I had my African-Americans, didn't really had any uh, Asians. OK, there weren't any Asians going all the way up until I got to high school. So when I finally saw Asian women for the first time, I'm like, oh, my God, they're so beautiful. <laughs> had yellow fever ever since. So anyways, that's a long story. <laughs> anyways, I'm just telling you guys from experience. So could you imagine for, of course, the African-Americans? Let's not just say Anglo. Let's talk about African-Americans, too. The ones growing up in uh, Compton, Watts, Inglewood, Hawthorne. You know, those places in Detroit, Camden, Baltimore, West Palm Beach. A lot of these places are probably 95% black. So if, a, of course, an Anglo, Anglo walks into that neighborhood, they could be mugged. A lot of things could happen. If, they, if they're in a classroom all by them, you know, if there's like 95, what is it, 95% African-Americans and then 5% uh, Anglo-American, there's going to be a good amount of racial hatred spewed towards those Anglo-Americans. You see what I mean, man? That's social heredity. That's how you inherit these racial prejudices. Churches is another way of doing it because you're basically saying, hey, you know what? My religion is the best. If you're not Baptist, if you're not Christian, if you're not Catholic, if you're not Muslim, if you're not Buddhist, you're a bad person. I mean, we could just attest to that, too, because before September 2011, I had – I'm sorry, September 
11, 2001, I had no recollection of what the Muslim faith was. But right after that happened, how much prejudice and racism had has gone up in the last 17 years towards Muslims? Look at the media. Just look at the media. How often do you see suicide bombing Iraq, suicide bombing Iran, suicide bombing Saudi, suicide bombing Bahrain, suicide bombing everywhere? And they always pinpoint Muslim jihadists, jihadists, Muslim jihadists, al-Shabaab, this, that, this, that. But the thing is, it has nothing to do with the Muslim faith. It has to do with extremist groups. See, we're not going to single out all Catholic and Christians because the KKK, are we? You know, kind of like what the whole Charlottesville thing that had happened. Those were all Anglo-Americans marching against all other racial minorities. I mean, all other, you know, ethical, whatever you want to call it, minorities. You know what I mean? So, again, if we look at Thailand... Uh, For all you Thai people out there, listen to me closely. I said, listen to me. Because a lot of you, yeah, you guys got the suggestion from the media embedded into your brains, into your minds. How? Well, how often do you see a photo or a video on the news of, you know, superimposed on the screen? Nigerian scammer caught. He's got his head down, and of course the police, they have that infamous photo where they're pointing at the drugs or pointing at the money and stuff like that. However, the mafia is being ran on some of the most, I guess you could say, quote-unquote, gorgeous islands. I'm talking about the Kotao, the Kopanga, the Kosamui, Pattaya. You got the Russian mafia, you got the Thai mafia, you got everything, but they always pinpoint the blacks and the Africans as being something of a visceral, you know? It's kind of like this, just recently. I don't really care. This is all purpose. I'm just telling you guys about tolerance right now Um, before I get into my little quote and end this bad boy. But there was a moment uh, probably two months ago that, of course, the news outlets, they're really nasty out here. They said, okay, immigration officers round up all African prostitutes in Patea. Okay, so you round up the African prostitutes, but what about the Russian prostitutes and the Thai prostitutes? You see what I mean? I always question things. These things don't make any goddamn sense to me. I'm just telling you from what I see with my own eyes. So I'm guessing the African prostitutes, they were what? They were charging crazy prices compared to the Thai prostitutes that are working openly in bars, you know, showing their all their, 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 their belongings. That's okay. What about the Russian prostitutes and the Russian mafia that own those prostitutes? You see what I mean? Tolerance. So let's get back to war. Napoleon Hill said in his book, he said, the possibility of war as a stern reality today solely because the principle of social heredity has not only been used as a sanction and force in support of war, but it has actually been used as a chief agency through which the minds of men have deliberately prepared for war. Think about it. For evidence with which to support this statement, examine any national or world history and observe how tactfully and effectively war has been glorified and so described that it not only did not shock the mind of the student but it actually established a plausible justification of war example go into public squares of any of your cities out there and observe the monuments that have been erected to the leaders of war observe the posture of these statues as they stand as living symbols to glorify men who did nothing more than lead armies on escapades of destruction. The guy from Mongolia. Oh my God, what's his name? 
Oh my god, I just completely forgot his name. I gotta look it up right now. But let me just give you guys a nice little rundown. Um, Mongolian Warlord. What's his name? His name is, uh, come on. No, I'm, I'm not giving up. I am not giving up. The guy, the guy, the, 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 the fa- famous, famous, god damn it, famous, uh, 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 war, what is, oh no, gang, gang something, I'm not giving up, famous leader Mongolia, bam, what's his name, Genghis Khan, oh my god, I can't believe I blew that, sorry guys, anyways, Genghis Khan, born 1162 and died 1227, he is erected every. He's erected absolutely everywhere, all around Mongolia. You know what he did? Oh my god! I'm not even gonna talk about it. I don't want to talk about it on my podcast. It's funny because I actually wrote a blog on it and saying, "Oh, Genghis Khan was one of the greatest leaders, kind of like Napoleon of France. Oh, he was one of the greatest. He mutilated everyone. Genghis Khan. Oh, he ruled all. He killed everyone. Even the people that attended the ceremony in terms of his burial. All those people were executed because they didn't want anyone to know where he had been buried." <gasps> boy oh boy there it is napoleon hill said it and wrote it himself i'm just telling you guys man we tolerate this we think this is good that's why this whole thomas jefferson being taken down they're like oh they're gonna take down him and take down that guys these are all war leaders what do you have to be proud about honestly you want honesty winston churchill it's funny a lot of people use him as a quote saying oh winston churchill he's one of the greatest leaders stop it he diverted food for 4.5 million Indians back in, I think, the 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever you want to call it. And 4.5 million Indians died of famine. And you know what he said? He said, oh, they're the ones out there breeding like dogs. And you look up to this man as something wonderful? Enough. JFK is another one. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call it out there. You know what I mean? How many Vietnamese people died in the name of him between 1963 and 1964? Go ahead. Just saying, man. We look up to some of these pseudo, these quote unquote leaders and God damn, <laughs> a leader in what kills? Yeah. Okay. Napoleon, you're the biggest, cra- you're the most maniacal leader of all time in France. Okay. Genghis Khan, you killed everyone. Okay. JFK, man, you know how many people died in your name? Just say it. Rest in peace. Don't really, whatever. We can keep going on and on and on. I'm just trying to make a point here. We tolerate this BS. Enough is enough. And with that being said, people, I'm going to end it right there, man. This is a little bit sour, but boy, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to tell you guys what Napoleon Hill told me through my eyes, <laughs> you know, and now I'm just putting it out there and I want you guys to think about it. we we'll tolerate this and I'm going to be talking about the military and everything tomorrow. So anyways, again, I actually, before I end this, uh, Instagram, there's a, of course, one of my doctors, they're pro Trump and stuff like that. I used to work with him eight years ago and I just try not letting politics get in out the relate, uh, in the way of our relationships and stuff. Uh, but she's like, Oh my God, the leader and this and that. I forgot what she said, but it's something about the military, but I'm like, do you understand? You know, people who join the military, they're out to like, a lot of people would say they protect us. What would protect us from who? You know, I mean, is there an invasion happening? When was the last time there was an invasion? The only, t- the only time we're invaded, Americans are the only ones invading everyone else. Just saying. Oh, you thank you for serving us. Thank you for protecting us. What, in Afghanistan? Who are they protecting us from? Ghouls and ghosts? You know, just saying. Just saying. Respect to everyone out there. Respect to all military who stand for their pride and their flag and their everything. But the thing is, if we keep perpetuating military and keep bringing more people into the military and send them, them out and making them killers it's only going to perpetuate war we can't abolish war do you understand what i'm saying 
with that being said, people, have a wonderful morning, afternoon, and evening. As always, thanks for tuning back into a pre-recorded podcast of the Arsenio Buck Show. <gasps> Over and out.